You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hello, people-centric leaders. Good to see you again. Uh, If you're on YouTube, you can see us on YouTube here for the podcast. If you're just listening, because we've heard from both people, the people that enjoy listening to us on whatever app you prefer for the people-centric podcast here, uh, or maybe if you wanted the visual experience, you could see Don's new glasses. Don, you look sharp today. Thank thank you. Thank you, Matt. And I just wanted to also say, whether you're listening to us or watching us on YouTube, we can't see you. Right. We have not invented it. We don't have that technology yet. So just to say that like, you opened up like it's good to see you, whether you're listening to us on this or maybe on the podcast, either way, and however you're watching us or listening to us, we cannot see you. We do not have that technology yet. Coming soon next month, though, we will be able to watch you wherever you are at. Or can we? I don't know. Keep them guessing. Leave them wanting more, right? You know, it's funny, even though uh, we're, we're talking about this kind of tongue in cheek, it does play into the topic that we wanted to bring today. And let me tell you where this topic uh, came from. My wife and I went to a popular fast food restaurant that has many different chains of the, of, of the restaurant all over the country. I guarantee there is a golden chance you have been to these particular restaurants uh, before. I don't want to say the name. Uh, allowed, but uh, there may have been a movie made of this particular restaurant chain. Yeah, about the, founding around. about the founder of that <laughs> found- movie, or that founder of that. Yeah, movie. yeah, we can't get to we can't get too far into it, and we're trying to protect the innocent here. But this is an experience that I had, and I wanted to share this experience. Some of you might be going, I can't believe that you eat at fast food restaurants. Well, you know what? This is a peek behind the curtain into the life of Matt Griswold. Uh, I do. I am not one of those people. It's like when I have kids, I'm never taking them to fast food places. <laughs> oh, we go. We go. And we had an experience the other night that I wanted to share with you that inspired this podcast. The other night I go and we are we are ordering and I'm ordering through the drive through window. And uh, my wife, you know, has questions as as some of maybe you all do when you're going there for the thousandth time. You have questions about the menu still. Right. And she asked a question about a particular thing on the menu. So I relayed the question and the worker uh, on the intercom said uh, she wanted to know what was in this shake thing that they had. And the worker said, I honestly have no idea. Honestly, I can't answer that question. Uh, And that was the end of the conversation. He was not looking to try to find out what was in it or maybe ask another question. It was either you can order it and guess or don't order it. I don't care. Right. It's what the the kind of the tone of the conversation was. And so I looked at my wife and I was like, you want it? And she's like, pass. And so we ordered other things. Well, after I complete the order, the video screen on the drive through the video screen said literally the words popped up and it says, mm, great order, exclamation point. And I was like, wow, that made me feel good, right? It was this positive reinforcement over maybe some of the horrible decisions that I had just made of what I was going to eat that evening. And we drove around feeling good because of the video message. And we tried to show this person the code that they wanted. And they said, what's the code? And we told them and they said, what's it for? And we told him and he shut the door and he had to get a manager because their code system was broken. 
And I and here's the epiphany, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Many of you, many of you have, uh, you know, you're you're reading about things. You're maybe fearful of things. Maybe you're excited about things in this world of technology and AI. Uh, it seems like it's running rampant. In this particular instance, it was so obvious to me that the technology had outpaced the people, or at least my experience with that person. I won't do a blanket statement and say, yep, they're all equally bad. But at least in that case, the technology that the company had installed had outpaced the person that they also had there. Now, this is my problem with that. Um, I know that we live in a technology world and people are excited about the technology. And sometimes business owners, you get enamored by the next shiny thing, right? You get enamored by the, ooh, the new pieces of technology that I can use. Um, I'm, we're going to find out through conversation today. I'm kind of on the opposite side of that. But either way, either way, we get excited about the technology. Get excited about that about the technology. Go ahead, but not at the expense of being able to also train and build up your people at the same time. It was so jarring, the difference in the technology that was being used versus the experience that this person was equipped to be able to also offer. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Like at what point, um, um, at what point does it become maybe jarring? Do I need to be equally invested in the technology as equally invested into the people side of it? Are we just scrapping all the people and say, technology, do your thing, take over? Because I think that's a bad recipe. Um, also, there's things that technology cannot do uh, that that people can do. And so um, anyway, that's the conversation. Joining me today on the conversation, we already met Don. I'll come back to Don here in just a moment. Um, Diana, let's start with you though. Today's a topic. Now you are in... And I don't know, you might have a little bit different perspective because when we went to visit you in the greater Seattle area, we mm -hmm. went to a restaurant that had robots deliver the food to the table. And we, we, it's not super prevalent here in the Midwest where we are. And so I don't know what, where do you think you're going to go maybe on this, on this conversation? What's your take here on the technology versus the people side? I mean, obviously I don't really like people all that much. Right. No. So that's where I'm starting. I'm just kidding. Yeah, especially um, two I, out of the other three people that are on this call. We'll let you decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do think that when people use technology effectively, it enhances the people. So I think technology can be used effectively and used really well. But to your point, it has to enhance the experience and it has to enhance the people. It's if it's done wrong, it's jarring and weird. And I think. That's where we're going with it. But I'm a fan of technology. I like automation. I do think there's a lot of efficiencies in it. And I think we can use it really well. I think we can also use it really poorly. And I'm a fan of using it well. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you, one of the things that you can mention too, I bet we also go along that path is maybe the organization installs the technology, but for they get, they forget to train the people how to use the technology and now it becomes a nuisance and a hindrance. And this is frustrating. So Philip, uh, welcome to the podcast here, Mr. Philip Herzog, uh, your take, which direction do you plan? You know, which direction do you think this is going to go here? Where are you taking us today? Oh, well, definitely shop local, uh, because, uh, you can have beautiful technology, uh, or not. But that's why, yeah, Claire and I go to the downtown places. But no, I love the question of uh, your you, kind of the way you phrase it is if technology is outpacing, you know, like the posh presentation or just like the connection you have with the clients, that's a very bad look. I think it's happening a lot. Um, and to Diana's point, really, I, I think of AI like a, a bicycle, right? So we all are used to riding a bicycle. AI and technology is just making a bike 
an electric bicycle. My in-laws just bought a couple and it, it makes the process easier. You don't have to pedal so hard going uphill and downhill, but you still have a human being, you know, taking the bicycle somewhere. It takes both. Uh, it's way less fun if AI just is riding a bicycle for you. Like, I don't get any joy out of that. So I think it is definitely this relational marriage of the two pieces. Um, and I think where we where we forget so easily, whatever tools we use, the difference between having knowledge, which I think we, we have lots of clients who keep talking to us about AI making huge changes, um, but the difference people, we're just way better. We can be way better, at least I hope and think we can, of applying that kind of wisdom counsel in the middle of knowledge. Because ChatGPT, all these things can garner a lot of information, but how they apply it is the shortcoming fall. Um, so whether, again, whether that's like being a great customer service person to how we consult with our clients, uh, to just being a good person. I think there's a lot of benefits that can come from it. You just have to be really intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. There's probably a balance between the two there. Good illustration, um, Philip. I appreciate that. Thanks for being here. And lastly, probably the one that's most crippled by the technology, uh, Don Harkey, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why I say that, the reason why I say that, I actually have a, Don, you could have led with the story um, as well. Don just, Don, Don just, Don, and I don't mean because he doesn't know how to use it. I just mean because sometimes it's a little much. You just bought a new car, Don. There's not even a spare tire that comes in the car. Do you know how? Don, you can tell us. I, I want you to tell us. The new car, super flashy, no spare tire. What do you do, Don, in the case of an emergency where you have a flat tire? You're about to get made fun of is what you're going to do. I can just tell. I can see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just bought a new car. It's it's pretty. It's got a lot of bells and whistles on it. It's got some cool technology features to it. It does things like it can adjust your heating and air conditioning by voice but as philip found out in the car that doesn't work 100 percent of the time because it was like i asked it to change the temperature and it was like i can't do that right now i don't know what the car was doing differently so it fails you get the more technology you have the more likely it is to fail um but there's some cool things that it does help you do so yeah so for i for one welcome our new machine overlords i think i'm gonna lean into this i'm gonna double down on this i think when skynet takes over the world i'm gonna be the one human that helps to point out where the other humans are that are resisting uh, will be the anti-resistance. I do think it's funny. I do think it's funny because Don didn't finish the story, but there is literally a red button on the roof in case of an emergency, like a flat tire that says, what's it say? SOS? Yeah. So so what I, I didn't, I, you're right. I didn't finish that story. I was talking about the other technology. A lot of new cars apparently coming today. I was very surprised to learn this come without a spare tire. There's not even a place for a spare tire in the brand new Honda Accords. So yeah. you can't even... They don't even have it. So it's a lot of technology. It's really nice. But it, it, Honda, I mean, otherwise Honda, great, right? Yeah. Great, well, great. I just think I just think it's interesting how the button is called SOS, you know, because you're severely stranded with a flat tire next to the country kitchen that you could probably just go hang out in anyway in the air conditioning. What about the people like on but, boats? But like what about, in the ocean? But if they don't have a spare tire, you are stranded. That's yeah. the thing, like, they stranded you and then put this button in there. I don't understand. SOS. I know it's going to happen because you have to play it, play it through, right? You hit that little button and somebody's going to come on to the end of the car with you, right? And they're like, uh, Honda assistance, how can we help you? And they're going to make a phone call based on where you are. And I'm going to be in Bolivar. I know it's, I'm going to be in Bolivar. I'm going to be where Matt lives, which Bolivar is a small little town. And somebody's going to show up from some towing company and they're going to come in and be like, all right, I got to guess I got to change your flat for you. <laughs> And I'm going to be like, I've got one even better for you on that is I don't even have a spare tire to be able to put into that. And they're going to be like, I don't know what you want from me, but we're going to have to tow your car now. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm not looking forward to that. I don't even like no. the idea of having somebody else come change the tire for me, much less. And then Honda's going to bill you $786. (laughs) Right. Right. This is a great example of technology outpacing maybe some of the other aspects of, of the, of the business there. So Don, I asked everybody else, and maybe you can kick us off like this, but um, you know, where are you hoping to take the, the conversation today? Like what are the points that you're hoping to hit between the technology and the people part of it? Where's the balance for you? Um, is it leaning to one side or the other, or where are you hoping to take this? Well, I am pro technology and often an early adopter of technology that helps us to improve our lives because I think it helps you to organize things. There's a lot of things that it does that makes our lives better. I just installed an automatic sprinkler system in my front yard that automatically waters things, which it did this morning, despite the fact that it was raining quite heavily. Um, so that that's interesting, but I think that what, where I think I would like us to talk a little bit about that is I think a lot of companies in the discussion of AI do tend to take their eyes off their people then. And they think, how can I make this more efficient, more effective? And we lose sight of what things do we really do, the the human interaction piece. How do we not just bring the people along, Matt, like you said in your example of making sure that the people are also engaged and that we're not trying to automate customer service and things like that too far but also just in the interaction piece with your own people. Like, hey, we could become super efficient. It might be more efficient. Like, I don't have to meet with everybody. If I, every, hey, everybody on this team, I'm not going to meet with you. Instead, I am going to give you AI Don. And AI Don will answer the questions. Very, let's say it's perfectly answers all the questions that I would answer or responds perfectly to me. That's not the same. It's not the same thing. And my fear is that in technology is that we're going to be throwing so much content out technology-wise that's written by no human, that we're going to have machines talking to each other, and we're going to think that that's replacing our actual communication and our actual connections and our actual relationships. And I think that's more isolating than less isolating, and I think that's bad for your team. So as you think about AI, I think you should be very cautious about it and make sure you do it in a people-centric way. Yeah. And, and maybe we could talk more about that too, doing it in a people centric way, because the, you know, what, what I see, and we see this in many different industries where technology, you're right. I mean, technology has made great advancements. It, it, it changes by the time you buy it, it's probably out of date because they're working on something else. There's something else that's going to be coming um, that, that, you know, and people like Don, you know, an early co-signer of it, like, what's the next thing? I'll take it. What's the next thing? I'll take it. Let's do that. And let's, let's figure out how to integrate that. And I think sometimes we figure out we'll, do our best to try to figure out how to integrate it. Meanwhile, it's almost a visual representation. You're looking around at the employees that you're trusting to help run that process. And they're kind of on the outside, standing there looking in going, where do I, where do I fit in now? Um, I think there's, I don't know, is it, you tell me, is it a very real uh, fear for some of the employees to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a job soon because technology and computers are just going to take it anyway. I think that's a very real, in fact, we've heard that recently from several clients as they talk about doing things uh, of losing their job. I think that's a very real fear. Yeah, I think the fear is real. I think the actuality of that coming to fruition is not as real. I think that AI will take parts of people's jobs. I think it will change how people work, but I don't think it's going to inherently make people lose their job. I'm thinking in like, we've been talking about this content writing stuff specifically and in media and things like that. Like, I think there still has to be a human element to said content and said design and all of those things. So 
I don't know that it will eliminate a job, but I understand the fear. And I do understand a lot of leaders looking at him being like, man, if I can save a couple of salaries, that would be nice. You know, so I, I get the, the want to do that too. Yeah. Philip? We, my wife and I just watched the second Back to the Future recently. Uh, and I forget at one point, you know, they put the year on there of what year they're going back to this town. And it was 2020, 2021, something like that. All the cars are flying in the future. And it's totally wrong. We just started laughing so hard because they had this idea of what the future was, right? Cars fly, all this stuff. So I think a lot of this fear too, it comes from what we imagine. Worst case scenario, nobody likes change. Nobody likes to be replaced or told you're not good enough, which I think the implications with AI are all three of those things. You're not enough of a robot. You're so slow. You have feelings and you need to eat food, whether you go to wherever place. You have all these needs. It's so annoying. Um, and then the other part, you know, I think we overexert what we think could come from that. What's interesting too, Reddit, I was recently reading, Reddit actually is looking at how to lock down Reddit so bots can never enter it because we're kind of moving into a place where human-made things are so valuable. They kind of need to protect that because it'll become a really interesting thing, almost like a social archaeology. I'm sure there's a better term for that, but kind of preserving how humans interact, how they actually ask questions, how they answer questions for each other. Um, so in some ways, I think you really should look too to the advantage of how much more as a leader you need to lean into your team and really drive up the value that they provide you. Because um, I think the solution with AI is people are slow, let's go to something different, but that's discounting you know, the best value you have, which is your people and your team. I want to offer a little bit of a different spin on this on the technology side. And this, I'm going to be a little hardcore for a second, if that's okay. I think AI is absolutely going to replace certain people in certain jobs. I think if your job is very task oriented and you're not putting a lot of thought behind it, I think that there's a chance, and Diana is freaking out right now because we're just, I basically told her six months is what we're figuring is, technology. Is this the end? Is this the end for me? Yeah. Actually, you are already the deep fake, Diana. I know that you don't know that you're not a real person yet, but I'm you're, a Cylon? You're, yeah, you're a Cylon. You don't know. <laughs> but I, I think there's some industries that are going to be figuring out I think there's some industries that are going to be rocked by it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some predictions out. I think the accounting industry is going to be rocked by AI in the next 10 years. I think there's a lot of tax preparation, bookkeeping stuff that AI will be able to do uh, that people do today that I think are going to now, now AI will not give you, it will crunch data and give you some insights, but it won't interpret that data well for you as a human. It won't run your business for you. So you'll have to switch that. I think the real estate world is in serious jeopardy. Uh, you don't need a person to know what houses are out there, what features that they have. AI can do a lot of that stuff for you. I think those, some of that, I just buying the car recently, the whole car buying process is antiquated to me. Like you could replace that whole thing. I had to wait. I was there for two hours. And they knew I was coming and I paid cash. Like it shouldn't take that long. It shouldn't be that kind of a process. That car should have just appeared. And there's other car dealers. If I bought a Tesla, it wouldn't have been that experience. So, I mean, there's things like that, that I do think companies have to think a little bit about. But I was talking to a good, my, my friend who does machine learning, and we were talking about like the publishing industry. And one of the first big uses of AI is in content. And we talked about that, like Reddit and stuff like that. LinkedIn right now, if you go to make a LinkedIn post, it will pause and ask you, would you like our AI to help you to make this post? Like it's already starting to do that. And so like we're as a company pushing back against that. We're saying, no, our content's always going to come from us. 
Like we're going to anti-do that. We can make it easier through that. We might do some research on the AI and the AI might help us to inform the content, but the content's going to come from us. But when we're talking about like the publishing space, and I was bringing up to my friend who thinks very technically and does AI stuff, he doesn't just use it. He actually creates it. He said that, I said, you know, if you're an editor, you could go create a story using chat GPT. You could do that today. Write me a story about this in Springfield, Missouri, da, da, da. And it will write you a pretty good story that probably could go in the magazine with maybe just a slight amount of editing. And I said, is that going to replace a bunch of jobs for editors? And he said, no, what the publishers should do is think about what could you do with your editors if you could create additional content more easily? Like then maybe they could spend more time instead of writing all of those stories that are easy to write, maybe they could spend more time doing like the complex journalism that has kind of gone away in newspapers because they've tried to become more efficient. Or maybe they can put more content out there. Instead of just writing once a year, the taco issue, you could write a continuous issue that's always content that's always updating about all the tacos that happen in Springfield or things like that. It's just thinking differently about what's being produced. So I do think that this technology is gonna rock our world. I think some people should have some fear in their jobs, especially if you are in a spot where you're not adding a lot of like your human thought process to things. Diana, you yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think there's, I think there's industry specific, you know, we just went to tour a logistics company the other day and he showed us a couple of different lines that they had. And one of those lines had, I don't know, nine or 10 people working the line. Um, and then the next one was the new machine that they had bought that duplicates the thing that that line was doing. And they had like two people and their job was just to manage the machine to make sure that the machine was continuing to run. That was what they did. So, uh, yeah, so it might be a little bit, you know, you now with those, with those folks, they're not, they're not really customer facing at that time. They might be more behind the scenes, uh, behind the, behind the scenes uh, process worker there, but not necessarily customer, customer facing. And, you know, Don, you talked about it and this is something too, that I think we could throw back to everybody else as well, because some people might be listening to this going, okay, so I recognize my industry. Is this right for me? Because Don, you were talking about, I think you can, there's a lot of different areas that you can put it in. Like you mentioned real estate, you probably could potentially uh, bypass a lot of that process, but just because you can, should you? Like I could think of many other questions that I would want insider information or a little bit more insight in uh, like second level questions and things that, that technology, and I don't want to talk to, I want to, I'm still old school enough where I want to go to a bank where they know who I am. Um, you know, and I want, I want, I want that type of, uh, that type of interaction. So just because you can, does that mean you should, and maybe what should I consider as an organization or as a company or as a manager, like before implementing that technology, like what are the things that I need to consider to be able to determine if this is right or not? I think you still have to consider the relationships that you have with your customers. I think that's a piece to that. There are some things. It's interesting. Like you say, I still want to know the people I go to the bank with. I don't ever want to go to a bank again. I would prefer to never walk into a bank, but I love in our bank that we have people that reach out, Rachel, Rebecca, who call us and say like, hey, this is something you should be thinking about, or this is something you you need to do. I think our bank has done an excellent job of, and I'll give a shout out. I'll give a shout out to Oakstar Bank. I'll give a shout out to them here in Springfield. Why not? Um, I think they do an excellent job of leveraging the technology to free up their people to do the relationships which I think is what the technology can help us to be able to do. You don't have to stand in line or wait for something or fill out a form. I mean, how many times do you, you sit in doctor's offices or bank offices and fill out a form that is all information that you know they already have? 
you know, so I, I think that I think it's I think the technology should help you in the relationship side. It should enhance it. It should be an accelerator for it, not a replacement of it. Yeah. So if I have an organization and maybe there is technology in place um, and all, already, I probably need to maybe continue to ask questions of my people. I think the, the question that your friend asked was appropriate. Like if this technology is in place, uh, what role can you play to be able to help enhance that you know, technology or help enhance the the existing relationships. And it might be different than the things that you're doing right now. Not to say that it won't still be valuable, but it might be different. So how do I start to maybe identify some of those, what some of those roles are? And I understand asking that question too. I might be talking to some frontline workers. This is you right now. Like technology is maybe doing some more things in your world that you're trying to find your space, right? You're trying to find your value, maybe the things that you used to do, the technology is doing, maybe the things that you used to do, you used to do it well and you used to get complimented for uh, are now being done by technology. You're trying to trying to find your own value now uh, in that whole process. Like, what do you do? And I've heard a lot of managers recently talk about leveraging technology to help them not have to manage their people. And we already do that in one big area and it's emails. You know, I don't want to go have that difficult conversation with that person when I can fire an email to them because it's easier. I don't have to look at them. I can think my thoughts through. I don't have to get the input right away. Like, and so we know a lot of people and that's a terrible communication method in a lot of ways. Um, we talked to, we've seen companies think like, okay, well, we can, we want to have great onboarding processes. So like, let's put it on video. Let's have people, video. well, video are introductions to people. And some of that's okay. Like that's good, but you can take it too far. And then you miss like the human side of things. You miss the interactions. Uh, you miss those opportunities. Yeah, I was going to say like, I literally couldn't work here if it weren't for technology because I live 2,500 miles away from you guys. And like, we need, I need this technology to be able to do my job at People Centric. But I think we've utilized it really well and made our own rules to it. So like, when we call each other, we do video calls. We're face-to-face. I see how you're reacting. I understand your emotional cues. I can get that from a video. Um, We don't just show up and like not have our camera on. We've just installed our own things to make sure that the technology works for us and not against us. Cause I could easily just be like, nah, I'm never going to show up on a video call. I'll just email everything. I'll just, you know, I'll just call everybody old school or something. But I think because we've said the relationship is valuable. We've put things in place to utilize the technology to continue to build the relationships. Remembering what your value is. Yeah, I think it's helpful with all these pieces too. Cause I was thinking as uh, Matt, you were sharing, you know, change happens and to your point too, Don, change happens. So definitely will the workforce change and different skills be more useful moving forward? Totally. Um, but I was thinking, I think the reason why the conversation is so different now is that technology is kind of impacting different things. It's not like it's farming on mass scale or manufacturing, you know, it's because it's technology has changed those fields so much, but now it's at the point where it can be more creative for us and it can write an article for us. And I've looked at things that even can paint, right? There's these robot arms that, so it's doing these things that we thought were just off limits to technology. Um, And so I guess maybe one of my questions for all of us would be for someone who felt really secure uh, in their role and their job and their skill set. This could never be touched by a robot or technology who now has that wonder, what happens to me if 
Like what would be our advice for them or their leadership team kind of as they go about talking about these things? You know, Philip, I'd like to answer that question by quoting a movie. In 2016, there was a movie with Kevin Costner playing the lead called Hidden Figures. Some of you might be aware of this movie. There was a brilliant actress within the movie uh, named Octavia Spencer. She played the character of Dorothy. Dorothy's role was about to be taken over by, do you know what? A computer. Computer was entering NASA at the time, and they referred to it as the IBM. Not the computer. When is the IBM about to be here? Dorothy sees the writing on the wall, and you know what Dorothy does? She goes to the local library. At the time, there was no internet, right? There was no Google. You couldn't Google what is IBM. She goes to the local library, starts finding all the journal entries and reading books about this IBM, so much so that she becomes the expert of the IBM. The people that they sent to set it up to run for NASA were now asking Dorothy these questions on how do I make this thing operate? And what she ultimately did was she became the leader of that department. Like she saw it coming and, and maybe Philip, I don't know. I think, I think this answers your question. You basically have two options, right? I have two options. I can fold and go elsewhere and try it again, or I can maybe try to learn a little, how do I make myself valuable in this time? And maybe making myself valuable is learning to be able to operate that thing. Well, how do I work within the confines of that thing? She was not still, you know, crunching the numbers, like the computer can crunch the numbers to Don's point on the accounting uh, form, you know, form earlier. The computer was crunching the numbers. She was not crunching the numbers, but she was learning how to be able to operate the thing that did crunch the numbers to be able to produce the reports that she knew the people were going to want. And then it became she became extremely valuable uh, to the organization. They could not get rid of her whenever it was time to go because she knew how to run the thing. And so maybe that is your maybe that is your opportunity or your option to be able to, uh, man, how do I play well in the sandbox with this computer? How do I how do I make what is my unique value proposition for myself? Uh, with this new technology potentially that's coming. So I'm glad, perfect segue. You didn't even say you're going to answer that, but I was going to go there anyway. I think that was, that was, I think that's, I don't know, brilliant. You guys don't have to agree, but I thought it was great. I love that answer, Matt. No, I do. I think that's a, it's a very good movie too. Uh, great movie. Exploring that. And I like that they were, they called the people computers. Uh, I thought that was an interesting, just side note of that. That is all the, the role that used to, the people played were computers as they did the math behind the scenes. I just I never thought of that. Like I've never lived in that generation where people just did that instead of machines did that. But hey, you have to educate yourself. You have to think about what's that core value that we have. If you're a manager, you can't outsource that to machines. Like you never really, you can't, you, let me reverse that. You can, you can give the tasks just like what happened at the fast food place that Matt was talking about. Like, oh, you should say something clever. Like, oh, that's a great order. You could say, we could make the machine say that. Like, yeah, you just did that, but it didn't have the same impact that you hope that it would have if a person said that if you went up front and you went to go check out that food and the first person that came out there and said man that's a great order that sounds really good i might get that for dinner for myself that sounds amazing like that's a different level of experience that's totally different than your the machine saying hmm great order because you know somebody typed that in it's the same thing as if you're onboarded and your boss meets with you and sits down and says hey Here's why we hired you and they customize it to you and they really talk to you about it. And then you get to react and you see the excitement and all that versus like watching a video, you know, of Christian Slater saying, so you decided to come work at people centric, you know, that kind of thing. That's an office reference, by the way. Yeah. Um, right. It's, it's not as exciting. Like it's not, a, it's, it's, it's not as personal. It doesn't have that same connection. So don't you be careful about what you do outsource. And then if you are going to be outsourced, I, I like what Matt and Phillips said is let's go learn more stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think to Matt's point, and I think Philip was trying to say this too, like there are going to be things that AI just can't do, right? You were saying, sure, it can write the article, but can it use the same voice that you regularly use in? Or is it going to sound robotic? Do you have to tweak that? Are you going to have to say, oh, by the way, computer, our brand says this, like you have to make sure that it aligns really well. And I think there are things like you were saying, it will give you data, but how you interpret and what you do with that is up to a human to figure out. So I think you have to look at each role and say, what can AI or this new technology do in this role and what can't it do? And then you have to pick up the, it can't do this. So I'm going to make sure that I can. Yeah. And I think we can do that as an individual employee. And then as managers, that's what I'm looking for too. I recognize this technology is coming here. Maybe it's time to reevaluate the strengths that your people are bringing to the table and then see where they can help complement maybe some of this new technology that is also there. So let's go around the table one more time here and maybe give one more takeaway uh, from this. Uh, how do you use this information? Or maybe if you wanted to forecast a little bit, Don was forecasting into the future a little bit. If you wanted to put that hat on and see where this is maybe going from your perspective, um, how do you think this is going to play out? We'll just see, you know, 10 or 12 years from now, we might look back at this and be like, wow, it was way off uh, on that. Or maybe you nailed it. So whichever direction you want to go, who'd like to start? I can start. So right. I don't know about forecasting, but maybe this is a little bit of a forecast, but I do think that at some point we are going to look at it and be like, I'm tired of generic responses. I'm tired of the automation. I'm you know, I feel like we were kind of like, I'm over email. I'm over social media. I'm over some of these tools that were so integral to our life. And now we're, some of us are kind of reverting back. I'm not going to do social media. I'm going to put things in my email that says I check it twice a day. I'm not going to keep it on my phone. And we're kind of doing this revert back a little bit thing and not let technology control us as much. And I think eventually we will get to that point with this as well, right? It's going to be one of those things that are like, wow, this has overburdened us, or this is not what I thought it was going to be. I've used it. I get it. It does help in these areas, but this has become a burden. So if we're going to install these things, I think we should think about the human reaction a little bit and think through how we can make sure that this doesn't become a burden and this isn't like an overused thing that then makes all of us hate it. Awesome. Thank you, Diana. Don? Well, I always think I go back to the book, Good to Great, and they talk about technology and the use of technology over the years. This is not the first time we're running into a technology that is going to be a changer for us. We're in the information age. Um, it's, it's a lot, of, but I think that technology long-term does replace individual jobs, but it's an accelerator for the company, which ultimately adds jobs. And I think that that's shown time and time again, in a lot of industries, unless the industry becomes obsolete, um, looking at you blockbuster video, uh, that kind of thing, unless you're up in Oregon and we'll give a shout out to Ben Oregon and our friends out there for running the last blockbuster video. You should go check that out. But you know, what's funny, if I can, if, if I could tie that to the technology thing, Don, I think you and I were in the room when we heard that speaker uh, and they were, uh, I think it was Stephen Dickens. I think it was our friend, Stephen Dickens. And he was talking about how Netflix approach, not <laughs> Netflix approach blockbuster to buy them. And they're like, no, nah, we're doing fine in the video space here. And then of course, Netflix blew up and blockbuster went away. So technology, right? You can either embrace it or walk away from it. Philip. Yeah. I was thinking we've referenced great movies 
uh, hidden figures at the office. I kind of think of Wally. I think we're going to escape Earth on a galactic cruise ship and then realize this whole thing we put ourselves in. No, go back to Earth and find a plant. And that's going to be the storyline. I think they predicted it. Uh, you heard that here first. Um, but no, I, I, I think my challenge, my takeaway, um, which has been on our mind a lot, just because so many of our clients have asked, is I personally just want to learn much more about how AI really works um, and not be, you know, like, ah, ignore it um, and really lean into just to better understand for us, you know, like what our own kind of ethics code would be for it, where it helps us. And then like, Zoom, like Skype, like working virtually, like how much do we make this a part of our culture? Um, and then where would we say we wouldn't want to do that and kind of come up with our own recommendations? And again, it's different for everyone. Um, and then to just be an advocate to like dig in deeper and find out. I love your story, Matt, uh, both both about the fast food piece and then others. Like just remind people being being a good person and doing good work. Ultimately, I think no matter what you're competing against, doing it smart, it always leads to a better result, whether you're fighting technology or not. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that, Philip. And, you know, I wanted, and you could tell, and I don't know, maybe that, maybe that you could tell that Philip is the younger generation representation, representation on our team, his reference to back to the future, how it was just funny that those things aren't happening. Listen, if you came from my generation, we're upset. I should be on a hoverboard right now. I should be, I should be on a, a, a wheelless skateboard flying around on a hoverboard. That was false promises to my generation. Now it's like, oh, that was hilarious. No, we took that seriously. Uh, well, I need a hoverboard. But yeah, technology, you can either embrace it, you can get in front of it, or you can choose to, like Philip said, oh, shake my fist at it or maybe walk away from it. Ah, it's not real. Um, it's probably a balance. It's probably a balance between the two. I think my takeaway is just because you can install something, I don't recommend doing it because you can. I would recommend taking a look at your team. What if we do? And you might even bring them along. Don talked about doing this the people-centric way. You might even bring them along for the ride of, this is what we're, this is what we are considering doing. Um, how do you think we might react once we do? Like, how, how do we still find uh, different roles or role clarity or value in the roles that we have and the people uh, value in the people that we have if we adopted this? And so maybe it's something you can move forward together to be the best version of whatever it is that you are. So hopefully this was beneficial for you. Again, our hope is that you you like it, you enjoy the content, but you at least take take away something that you could potentially implement for yourself, for your team, for your company. If you have other topics, we'd love to be able to hear from you there. And please uh, feel free to share the podcast. Pleasure being with all of you. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.